ready, Jerry? I'm ready. Just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. Oh, you didn't know? Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. Every day I'm hustling. You put my shoes on, you wouldn't last a mile. Summertime, wintertime, I'm on the grind. Yeah, I got the ring, I'm the champ, I'm the genie of the lamp. Okay, let's go smoke that joint. What up, what up? Fantasy Football Hustler back at you with another Hustler interview. I'm excited for this one. Before we bring him on, let me remind everybody, go hit subscribe, hit the like button wherever you're watching. If you are watching this on Facebook, Twitch, or podcast form, make sure you go get subscribed on YouTube, Fantasy Football Hustler. And if you're trying to get into a dynasty league, make sure you go join the community at fantasyfootballhustler.com. We got leagues that are spawning almost every day. It, it, it's good stuff. You want to get into a legit dynasty league, go get signed up. All righty. I am very, very excited. Um, we are bringing in a special guest right now. His, his resume is a little bit ridiculous. Let's read off some of the highlights. AP Reporter of the Year. Four-time Emmy winner, 2020 FSWA award winner. You've seen him on air with Amazon Prime's Next Gen Stats. You've seen him on air with DirecTV's Fantasy Zone. He's making moves too. Uh, Co-owner of Reception Perception with Matt Harmon. Brand new move that I can't wait to hear about. Let's bring him on here, Mr. James Co. <laughs> I feel extremely honored that I, I would come into the uh, the, the glass shattering sounds of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I'm hoping that I can I can fulfill that uh, that intro, man. Holy hell! There we go, man. Big pops for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, man. Yeah, we got we got a bunch of people in the chat right now. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Wink and Willie, four twenty. Appreciate you, Stu. Thanks for showing up, buddy. And Martin. Thanks for showing up. Uh, make sure you leave some comments. Let's keep the chat going, guys. And so I don't know how much football talk we're going to get into today. I, I'm just curious about, you know, you're kind of come up in the fantasy football world. That's something that I'm trying to do myself, make this a full-time full -time job, full-time career, and I'm loving it. So I want to hear where did kind of the initial sports love actually come from? You know, it's really interesting for me because I, so obviously I love sports, you know, and um, and it doesn't matter what it is, you know, it, it, football, basketball, baseball. Like I love it all. Right. Um, I'm big into MMA, too. Right. So um, I love the sports. But, you know, when I was growing up, it was the guys who were calling the games that I actually found more of an affinity for more of a love for. Like I think about Keith Jackson with college football, you know, um, you know, guys like Chick Hearn. Uh, who, if you grew up in the LA area, you're very familiar with him, Vince Scully, also in the LA area. So I just, 
I, and even when I was watching Sports Center as a kid, you know, it's like Chris Berman or Stuart Scott, you know, like these were the guys that I gravitated towards. These are the guys that I admired, the guys that I've wanted to be. Um, so, yeah, my my love of sports started at a very young age, but it really was my love for sports broadcasters uh, that kind of sort of, you know, ushered me into this field. Nice. And those are the guys who make things entertaining, especially like when we're watching wrestling and stuff. It's it's the announcers who keeps our attention more often oh, than yeah, not. No yeah, good old Jay. Listen, I just want to say too, like, I feel like I probably just slighted him, but like watching good old JR, like Jim Ross was like my dude, right? Like yeah. Jim Ross was a legit reason why, one of the reasons why I want to be a sports broadcaster, like no doubt, 100%. Oh yeah. Good old JR. And it didn't matter what the move was. Like, I mean, we think about some of these, you know, moves, I mean, just like the mankind going off the top of the hell in the cell. <laughs> like I can almost like hear like his still announcement, you know, my God, he's been broken in half and <laughs> totally keeps you in there. Love it. So what kind of guided the path on you from when you were growing up going to UC Berkeley? Um, you know, I've always been a pretty good student. Um, and, uh, I think that sort of just translated into good grades and good scores and all that. And you got into Cal and, um, I never really, you know, gave it any second thought. Like I loved Cal and, um, and to get accepted there and everything was great. Um, it was a big honor and I was super excited. And when I went there, I made, um, I don't want to, I, I don't want to sit here and tell you, I made the most of my four years, four and a half years at Cal. Cause I most certainly did not. Uh, <laughs> there were many uh, beverages had, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that uh, took away from my, you know, scholastic stuff. I, I, when I got to look, I've always been a good student, but when I when I got to Cal, man, like I just kind of sort of just stopped caring about grades, you know, because I was like, eh, what am I gonna do after this? Like, I don't want to. I don't want to keep going to school. Like, I don't care about grad school, like, which is funny because then I ended up going to grad school and then like I had to pull up my old transcripts and I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, oh, geez, what am I doing? But no. Um, but yeah, I kind of sort of just stopped caring about grades and like it was just more about like relationship building and, um, and I, relationship building is like the the most professional way that you could say I was out drinking with friends, you know, like, but no relationship building. And um, and I got into a little bit of sports broadcasting for the very first time in my life um, at Cal. Cause I think you gotta understand like where I come from, you know, first of all, I was born overseas, right? So like I'm, I was born in, in, in Seoul, South Korea and I moved over here when I, I was about a year old. Um, so English was my second language, but forget about all that. Like I didn't know anybody. I didn't know nobody out here that did broadcasting journalism, that worked in TV, that worked in radio or newspapers. Like I didn't know anybody in my immediate circle that worked in media. Um, so growing up, um, and this is all going to make sense, but growing up, I never thought of doing media as a career because I just never saw it for myself. I never thought of it as a possibility. I always thought of it. And I know a lot of, a lot of ethnic people kind of like resonate with this, but I always just thought it was like the white guy thing to do, you know, like, okay, like there's going to be like, you go, you turn on the TV and it's just a bunch of white guys on TV. You know, it's like, Oh, that's not for me. That's for them. You know? Um, and the reason I say that's important is because, um, for, I think for a lot of folks, especially immigrant kids growing up, 
you kind of sort of just grab and first of all this is true of anybody okay like if you grew up in a in a family of people who uh own a bunch of gas stations guess what there's a strong likelihood you're probably going to own a gas station when you grow up like if you know a bunch of engineers you know a bunch of doctors a bunch of lawyers like becoming an engineer doctor lawyer not a big deal because you're just so used to seeing it same yep. thing in media like oh like if you've got an uncle who worked in the newspapers like like being a reporter's kind of sort of like oh that's a possibility at least right like but for me growing up none of that was a possibility um i didn't know anybody in those fields and so what i had to end up doing was kind of sort of slowly taking a slow approach to everything and um kind of carving out my own path i like that and i mean what you're saying resonates with me i mean it does seem like sports broadcasting is mostly a bunch of white guys I, i'm mexican and so i i didn't have you know many role models doing this kind right. of thing more now but yeah mostly um it is what it is so i'm glad there's more diversity you know coming to the table and i'm glad guys like you are you know kind of spearheading it yeah man and you know when i first was coming up i didn't really pay it no mind because you don't have the bandwidth mentally to even think about that you know but once you start getting a little bit more established and i started going to more you know asian american uh, journalist conferences and stuff um, I became more aware of my position. I became more aware of, you know, kind of the tone I was setting and, um, and, and trying to be a, a, a role model to, to younger folks. And, um, and once I became more of an established, you know, person on TV, like I can't, I took that responsibility a little bit more seriously. And I understand, um, that that is part of the game too. Yeah. We need people setting the tone and just like being a role model. I mean, if, if nothing else, you know, and you're definitely yeah. uh, setting a good standard out there. So I, I appreciate you for uh, setting the tone. Let's go all the way back to KIBS radio station. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of made that, what kind of made that happen just in general? I don't even know how to get into that. Bro, you did your research on this one, eh? Yeah. Uh, my, my first media uh, one of my first media gigs was um, working at Small Town Radio, and uh, KIBS was a, a small uh, country music station uh, located in Bishop, California, and um, it, population 5,000 people, small mountain town, uh, just south of Mammoth Mountain. But um, and yeah, and when I went o when I got there, um, you know, it was kind of like I wanted to do sports. Um, and I let them know, like, I want to do sports broadcasting, you know, um, and they were basically anytime you go to these small markets, what happens, it's, it's just kind of like you have to put on a lot of different hats, you know, so like part of it was like, hey, listen, you could do sports broadcasting, but we also need a country music DJ. Um, and you need to be able to do that, you know. I wanted to ask you, you know, about that. How did that all come into play? Did they like hold you hostage and say you have to be the DJ in order to do I, this? Yeah, basically. I wouldn't <laughs> say holding me hostage. I mean, like, yeah, it's a great opportunity for me, you know. And um, when you have no experience and you have no connections and you don't know anything about the business and everything, like, you got to get your first steps wherever you can get it. Um, I've I've got a an old adage that I, I really, truly, honestly believe in, um, which is you can either, when you're getting into a hyper-competitive space like sports broadcasting, you can either pick your job title or you can pick your job location. But very rarely can you pick both, right? Yeah. And so for me, I pick job title, um, which means I will take any job 
that does sports broadcasting and I will take it anywhere in the, it, it and I'll take it anywhere in the U S right. So I'm not going to be, I'm going to be completely location agnostic. Like I don't care. You know, I just want the job um, versus other people who say, well, lifestyle is more important to me and there's nothing wrong with that. So if I grew up in, let's say, I don't know, Chicago, well, I'm not going to take any job outside of, you know, two hours of Chicago. Well, okay. Now you got to pick your Now you're picking your location over your job, but very rarely can you pick both. Um, so when I got to KIBS, it was more of just a, okay, so you've got to do country music, DJ stuff. Um, but we'll, but you can also call games and that's what, that's what we did. So, um, I called high school football and basketball games. Um, and then, you know, during the day I was a country music DJ as well. So that, that's nice. kind of how I approached it. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. And, um, it totally makes sense. Yeah. You can't pick a job title and location. Some people may want to work at a bigger, more established place and may not get to do what you want. So I, right. I totally get that. How about we switch gears to when you got into TV with KBAK? Yeah, that's the CBS and Fox affiliate uh, there in Bakersfield. But um, I, when I, after I worked at KIBS, I actually went. I talked about going back, and I, you know, I was this you know twenty six or twenty four year old kid, twenty five year old. I don't know. I was twenty five or something like that. I'm making you know. I think I was making twenty k, right? And um, and I just am the kind of person I've got too many ambitions. I'm too smart of a dude. Like I, I just knew that I wasn't going to be that cat um, working in small town radio for the rest of my life. That just wasn't for me. Um, and so now how do I go chase that paper? Like, how do I go get that bag? Like, how do I go do that? Well, I go do that by being on TV because TV money is exponentially more uh, than radio money. Well, here I am. I'm, like I said, I don't know anything about the business. I don't know anything about TV. I don't even know how to get on TV, right? <laughs> how do I go about doing that? Well, for most people who don't know anything and don't have any connections, going back to school is the only way. Um, and that's what I did. So, you know, uh, fortunately for myself, I got accepted at uh, the USC master's program for journalism, uh, got my master's degree in journalism. And then after that, um, I had a couple of internships. And by the way, man, like everything I'm talking about, so much of it is like, you know, networking. Um, and, and I can get into that too. I, I could spend like an hour talking about that. But uh, but basically, I had an internship at, at ABC7 here in Los Angeles, and basically, um, I made a pretty good impression. I talked to one of their sports anchors, Kurt Sandoval, who um, kind of launched me into this whole thing, and I sent him my tape, and I said, hey, listen, will you just take a look at it and just let me know what you think about it? Yeah, like, no expectations. I just want you, I, I just want, like, a critique. And he says, hey, this is really good. Like, you're really good for a college kid, you know, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you send it up? to these two cats in Bakersfield and just see what's going on. Um, and so then I sent it to them, you know, one thing leads to another. I go work, start working at KBAK, not as a sports anchor. Okay. As a part-time cameraman working for 10 bucks an hour, 20 hours a week, uh, shooting high school football games. Okay. That was my first TV job was being a part-time camera guy uh, shooting high school football. Um, 
And then, you know, look, I, I, everyone kind of, I let people know about my background and about my aspirations, what I wanted to do. Um, but that was my foot in the door. Uh, we talk about picking, you know, location or job title. And it's like, I, unfortunately I picked kind of sort of neither one, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't want to be a camera guy and I didn't want to live in Bakersfield, man. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I felt, I felt like it was a good, uh, foot in the door and ultimately, um, they gave me, uh, a full-time gig as a camera guy. Then they, then I had a, then my boss was like, wait, hold up. You actually have an, you actually have a master's and you want to be on air. Uh, he didn't know this at the time at first, when I first started working there and I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, show me your tape. I was like, well, here's my tape. And he's like, what the hell are you doing being a camera guy? bro?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, okay, well, why don't we make you a weekend reporter? So, um, so that's what, ha that's kind of how, like how my career kind of really got started was, um, uh, being a, uh, a, a, a camera guy Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then being a reporter on Saturday, Sunday. And, um, and I just did news. Like I never covered sports. I never covered sports when it, for the, the two years that I was in Bakersfield, um, but I won a bunch of awards covering, uh, doing journalism, covering hard news. Uh, then I got up to San Diego, um, your, your, your location. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and it was the same thing, but this time now they made me a full-time news reporter. So I was just doing on-air stuff. Uh, I was still shooting my own stuff. I was still, I was still shooting, editing, writing, doing everything on my own, slapping this all together. Nice. Um, the crazy thing was, bro, like I was, the thing was, I was really good at it. Like I won a bunch of accolades doing that, but I didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to ask. What, what was some of the things that helped you get, I mean, with K, KBAK, get the Emmys, get the AP reporter of the year. What were some of the, some of the things that, that got you those awards? Um, I would say I studied a lot of tape. I did a lot of self-study and I think for people in our industry, I don't think enough people do that. You know, like you got to go back look at your work. Um, and, uh, I, I still have a, uh, a pen and paper, um, of stuff. Like I, I've got a pen and paper that I, of stuff that I just like notes that I write down for myself, like, okay, improve on this, you know, Hey, these are things that you do well. Uh, the things that you do well, just do more of that. Um, and that was like my first boss, my first boss, like, you know, really sat down with me and said, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And he would say, I need you to work on this. And for the next week, that's all I would work on. I would just work on that, that one thing, you know, whether it was like, uh, you have like a verbal crutch, you say, I don't know. I, I forgot what it was. That I said, I, I don't know what it was, but he was like, you need to get rid of that. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I would just work on that all week. Like never say that word, you know? Uh, or like, yeah, when you're shooting your stuff, it's like, okay, well we need more of this. And it's like, it's just like, you're just, it, it's like Legos, man. You're just building. It's just small little pieces. And then after time, like, you know, this one little Lego block now turned into like a, a pretty cool looking house. Um, and that's kind of sort of how it was for me. You know, I just, you you're just working on one skill. I work literally on one skill a week and to the point where I feel comfortable saying, okay, now that's not a weakness. That's kind of how I, uh, I've always approached it uh, from day one. And I, and I still approach it uh, to this day. 
I like it. And it's funny. Some of the things that you're saying are resonating with me right now. Things that I've been working on, filler words that I've been trying to remove. So it's, it's all, it's all hitting home. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. And I think self-evaluation is so important, you know? Um, and, And I think not enough people do that. First of all, in real life, Okay. But especially in this industry, in this business where there are some people that are so talented, man, they're, they're just, they are just gifted, you know, like they're like LeBron James, you know what I'm saying? Like that dude is just a genetic freak. Right. And like, sometimes I see these people, these young cats come up, you know, doing their on air stuff. I'm like, bro, how are you 23 years old? Like you're so good, dude. You know, it's crazy to me, you know? Um, I, but I was not that way. I'm not that guy. I needed to work on my craft. I needed to hone my craft. The only thing that I had that I think, um, was special was desire and passion, you know? Um, and that's the only thing I think that, um, well, and listen, I, I think what really sets me apart, I think, um, and the reason I've been able to move up in my career is because I do treat this as a business, um, and I'm, I'm very professional with it, very intellectual with it. I, I think about this, you know, I try to think about this on a high level, intellectually, uh, intelligently, and try to move forward like that. Um, but really treating this and myself as a business. So that's kind of um, my approach to everything. But that all starts with self-evaluation. Like, you got to know where you suck. Like, you got to <laughs> know where you're good. And do those things that are good and just do a lot of that. You know, um, and, and I think it's easy for people to say, well, I suck in this area, so I need to improve on that. But there's the other side of it too, which is what are you good at? And don't let other people tell you what it is. Like maybe they can kind of sort of like push you on the right path maybe, but you got to figure out what is it you like to do and what is it that you do well? And hopefully those two things marry. You know, I, I, it's like, it's like when I watch like a basketball player, you know, um, you know, somebody who, who really, there are guys who like to score, right. But they're not good at scoring, right. That's a bad, that right there is a bad combo. (laughs) So you not only have to like what you are good at, but also be good at it. And that part of it took me a while to figure out and like, just kind of, piecing all of this stuff together um, and and just working on that, man. And it's not, there's no definitive answer. It's more art than it is science. Heck yeah. And self-evaluation, I, there's a lot of people that I, I could tell in this space. I mean, I, I'm doing this to make this full time. I'm treating this like a business every step of the way. And I can see there's some people who don't and that's okay. And um, it just is what it is, but you can totally see the people that are doing it for fun and the people who are Busting, busting their ass to get better every single piece of content they put out. Heck yeah. And so you went from Fox 5 to KTTV. And is that the, that's the Fox affiliate in LA, right? Yeah, it's the Fox affiliate in LA. Um, and this was the first gig um, in, you know, in six years um, that I got a, a, a dedicated sports role, you know, um, where I was their weekend sports anchor, um, because in Bakersfield, never, never touched sports, never talked about it in San Diego. 
I covered sports a little bit, but I did more of like sports human interest stories. Um, okay. And um, and I covered the some sometimes I would cover like the culture of sports in San Diego. Sometimes I would cover the economics of sports uh, in San Diego. But it was never like oh the Chargers you know beat the Raiders and we're we go live to James Kelly. It's like no, nah, I never covered a game story. Like I never that's not how it was. Um, so I did sports related stories in San Diego, but when I got to LA, it was the very first time that I actually got to go to the Lakers locker room, uh, go to the Dodgers locker room. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, and, and go check out and cover these teams like a sports reporter. Um, and even then I was only doing it like, you know, three out of the five days, sometimes, sometimes only two out of the five days. Um, and yeah, that's, and again, like, you know, when I got there, it was just, it was more of the same. It was just kind of like, um, I go back to my other example, right. But like, I was really good at covering news. I have news awards. I have an Edward R. Murrow award. That's like one of the highest, you know, awards you can get in journalism. They don't have an Edward R. Murrow. Um, well, I guess they do, but I, I didn't win one for sports. I won one for news. I won an Associated Press Award, um, Small Market Report of the Year for news, right? Like I'm good at news um, and I'm really good at taking these complex ideas and then melting it all down and uh, making it approachable and digestible. And by the way, that what makes me good in news is also what makes me good in sports. I take these complex ideas and I'm able to somehow then flip it all around and turn it into a, a Hulk Hogan sketch. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I'm able to take these like crazy complex, you know, next gen stats analysis and then package that all, all up and turn that into some weird, you know, Jim Cramer knockoff, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, those are similar skills that I brought to the table, but it's, it's just funny um, because even though I was good at it, I wasn't passionate about it. And that's where there was not a good match. Um, and I re really was passionate about sports. Um, and I always knew that's the, the field that I ultimately um, wanted to get into, despite winning all of these awards. I love it. And it, it's more of a roundabout way, you know, from getting into sports. I mean, there's a lot of professional yeah. athletes that get their job just because they were a professional athlete. You had to bust your ass along the way to oh, be yeah. able to get the opportunities. So it, it's good to see. I mean, I didn't know, I, I knew a little bit about, you know, pre NFL network, but I'm glad that I got to hear a lot of behind <laughs> the scenes right now. Cause NFL network, that was when I first learned about you watching the fantasy shows, you know, way back in the day. And, you and Adam Rank always stood out to me because you guys always had the wrestling references and um, <laughs> making it digestible, making it easy to take in everything that you guys are dropping. Yeah, and Adam Rank is, is a special character, man, for sure. Um, uh, and we, we actually have some announcements coming down the pipe uh, relatively soon. We're not ready to go there yet. But, um, but yeah, man, no, listen, um, when I got to NFL Network, that was my first full-time, you know, five days a week, um, sports gig, you know, and, and part of the reason I got that job, um, was because of my news background. And, and the reason I say that is because when you're working in news, you have to become a really good interviewer. Um, 
I mean, I guess you don't have to, but certainly if you're good, you're a good interviewer. First and foremost, if you're a good journalist, that means you're a good interviewer. Yeah. Because you're not coming up with the data. You're not coming up with the information. You have to get the data. How do you get the information? You have to get it from experts. You have to get it from people. How do you do that? You got to ask the right questions, um, which means you have a good interview. So I was always a really good interviewer. Um, and I applied that to all my sports stories as well. Like I would really think about like, okay, what questions am I going to ask? Like, how are they going to respond? If they respond this way, what am I going to ask as a follow-up? If they respond this way, what am I going to ask as a follow-up? Like I would have like a list of like, you know, five questions and then what if questions. Right. Um, and, and then one of the big things that I did when I was with Fox 11 in Los Angeles was I started my own MMA show uh, for, for the Fox affiliate there. And, uh, it was the first local, you know, MMA show, um, that they ever had in LA. And I was just a big MMA fan, you know, like I just wanted to talk to these guys anyways, long story short, I ended up, um, getting on the radar for the UFC and they would send me everybody, man. You know, they would send me John Jones, BJ Penn, like, you know, they would send me whoever, you know what I'm saying? Like whoever wants to talk, like, you know, we're going down, we're going to talk to Anderson Silva, all these dudes, you know, so it's all good. (laughs) But I would, because I was a fan and because I was a good, um, a a good interviewer, like I would, I would ask for long sit down interviews and these interviews, um, ended up, um, you know, really taken off online. Um, like they would get like 200, 300,000 views. This is back in the day. Uh, what is this back in like 2012, like 2012 or something? It was a while back anyways. Um, and they were getting hundreds of thousands of views to the point where some of these MMA guys were like, I I remember there was one headline and this headline literally got me my job at NFL network. James Coe, one of the best interviewers in MMA. Hell yeah. Sits down with John Jones, right? And um, and the reception on it was so good, so great. Um, anyways, when I went into that NFL Network thing, when they Googled my name, that was the first thing that popped up was that headline. Nice. And so this guy that was that was doing the hiring or whatever, he's like, "Yo, we need good interviewers here at NFL Network." Um, and we had this, you know, we had a really long conversation. Blah blah blah. One thing led to another. That's how I ended up getting my job um, at NFL Network. That's awesome. Who was uh, one of your first big interviews that you can remember after you got to the NFL network? Um, I remember, I, I remember it was like, I was uh, only like a couple months into the job and like I, I sat down or I did a, a satellite interview with uh, Peyton Manning, you know, here right. goes Peyton Manning coming off of like an MVP season. You're like, Oh my Lord. Um, but yeah, no, it was great. You know? And it was like, I, it was a little bit stressful because like they only gave me about 30 minute notice, you know, and like I'm oh, the kind man. of guy that like literally spends like, you know, three, four hours researching somebody and researching the questions that I'm going to ask. Like, I know I only have like a, a few questions when you're doing this like press junket, you know, um, so I was all stressed out, but I, I thought I handled it all right. And um, and yeah, it was it was pretty good. Um, but those interviewing skills they translate, they translated more to my job as a host, uh, because I would ask good questions to my, uh, to my co-hosts, my analysts, you know, like you mentioned Adam rank, Marcus Grant, like all these guys, like I would ask them, uh, 
I would try to ask them good pointed questions that they, you know, could, that they could really shine, you know, like it's not about the person asking the question, but man, if you ask a good question, that's when you get good TV. Um, and that was my job. That was my role. And I took that role very seriously. Nice. So you just had to set it up, let them spike it down. I like it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So and like, it was different, right? Like if anyone who's familiar with my work back at the NFL network, like I didn't have a lot of personality pieces back then. Um, I was a host and I would set up, I would like lob it up to, to Adam rank, to dunk it in. I would lob it up, um, to Marcus Grant to, to dunk it in. You know what I mean? Like that was my role. Um, it's after I left NFL network and don't get me wrong. Listen, man, like, obviously if you watch danger zone with Adam rank and I like, obviously I always had personality to do these things. I, that just wasn't my role there. Um, but once I left, um, and started doing other things as an analyst and not as a host, that's when I felt like my career really kind of sort of took, uh, took hold and took shape and, and really started taking off. You were more the, the Scotty Pippen, the Dennis Rodman. And then when you moved on, you go into more of the Michael Jordan role. I like it. I like it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So let's talk about the next gen stats. I mean, it all kind of started with the NFL network and I mean, it's, been going on for a really long time. How did all that really start? Um, once I found out about next gen stats, well, first of all, I've been writing and talking and doing TV pieces on next gen stats literally every single year since it has become available. Um, I'm, uh, and I can proudly say I'm, I am the only person, uh, that has, uh, that can say that, um, other people obviously still use next gen stats nowadays, but I was an early adopter. I was the earliest adopter and I was the first adopter on TV, um, that really believed in the product. Um, and I think they were always very appreciative of that. Um, and for me, it's just, I just am like, Hey, I love the data. It's very complex. It's very complicated. Um, but again, just going back to my background, I think I can take that data and, and I think I can make it easily understandable and something that then becomes a talking point, right? Not so much of like, Oh, look at all this information I can find. Like that shit is boring, bro. Like my job is to take a small, interesting piece of information, a small, interesting nugget, present it in a way that then creates conversation. Like, that is what you, that's the power of some of this data, right? Um, and that's what I would always do with next gen stats is try to find some, some stats that would either, you know, add to the conversation or be a contrarian view of the conversation. You know, like you could say, Oh, like, um, for example, like, you, you know, you might say, Oh, well, Kirk cousins, he's a bad quarterback. And it's like, well, you know, actually according to next gen stats, Top five guy deep downfield, top five guy in um, in tight window. You know what I'm saying? Like you can bring these stats to the table and and make people think about um, you know commonly held beliefs that maybe uh, are not supported by numbers. And I heard you talking about this. I, I saw you on uh, the Rum Boy show, and um, you were in Clubhouse talking about this also. And I feel like what. Everything that you're talking about, it resonates with me because I wasn't, I, I'm taking all this in and I'm 
digesting it myself and I'm just trying to make it easy for a lot of the, you know, casual people or whatever, the people who just want to listen to a personality talk about this, not have to go to the nerds necessarily, you know, for all these crazy numbers that don't make sense to them. So that was, uh, that was always one reason that I wanted to get into it. Like guys like you and Adam rank who are like making all this sound cool. You know, it wasn't just a bunch of stats and analytics yeah. only. You guys right. had the flair also. I mean, well, good call out with the, the flair. No, yeah. but I mean, it was it was more of just kind of like, and it's funny, like so much of my job is analyzing advanced numbers and analytics and doing those things. But I got to be honest with you, man, like the, the way that conversation goes on Twitter, it's very off-putting, man, you know, and I just, and like, I get it, you know, like the numbers support X, you know, and I understand that doesn't mean you have to be a complete douchebag about presenting <laughs> those findings, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and also, and, and I would also say this too, like I, I'm the last person to say that next gen stats is the be all and end all. Um, that's really what bothers me about analytics and the people who tout analytics, you know, like how many times do I need a PFF guy to tell me like, well, my score says this, well, listen, bro. Like, obviously there are some times that your score is wrong, you know, like there are things that are built in that it's just wrong. Like, sorry. Like, and, and I'm sorry, but like, you know, like, uh, like going for it on, you know, fourth down or going for two points or whatever. Like you could talk about EPA all you want. EPA is a, is a very messy number. Like EPA, I'm, I'm going way in the weeds here, man, but <laughs> EPA, whatever is like this, like analytics tool, like this analytics stat that like everyone like in the analytics field, like touts and is like this holy number, like, Oh, well this is EPA. It's like, bro, EPA is so messy. Um, and, and just even from like a, just like, from a statistical standpoint, like you can't even look at EPA and say that is a, a definitive number. It's like, I get it. Like there are a lot of reasons why you want to go for two, a lot of reasons why you want to go for a fourth down, but don't tell me that the analytics are absolute and, and cannot be messed with. It's just, that just turns me off. And I think that attitude turns off so many people um, <laughs> to next-gen stats, to PFF grades, to analytics in general. Um, and I'm not here for that. You know, like that's not my role. That's if you want to do that, cool. That's uh, I'm, I'm good with it, you know. But I think part of it is just having fun, messaging, you know, um, and again, just like, you know, having a good time with people talking about this sport that you love. Yeah, people uh, take their takes a little bit too seriously. I mean, at the end of the day, they're all guesses anyways, and we're all having fun. And it's cool that we're in a profession that you can be wrong and people will still love you. Well, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, man. I mean, listen, if you're coming to me for for like the right takes, you're in the wrong spot, bro. You know, <laughs> like I am here. I'm here literally to give people infotainment, some information, a lot of enter entertainment. Um, and again, just to like have fun covering this sport that is so much damn fun to talk about and cover. Heck yeah. All right. Now, how about we'll touch on DirecTV's Fantasy Zone really quick. What, what's the difference going from the NFL Network to uh, DirecTV? 
Well, the biggest thing was my, my job function, my job role. You know, I went from a hosting, you know, position, as I mentioned, to being more of an analyst. And, um, and for me, it was like, oh, my, oh, it was like, it was like liberating too, you know, um, to be able to kind of sort of, and let me just say this, DirecTV has been, has been the best place I've ever worked at. Um, the team there pretty much lets me do, they trust me. Um, and they trust me to do whatever the hell I want to do, man. Like, you know, like, awesome. you want to, you want to dress up like, like, like goddamn Bob Ross and start painting pictures like an idiot, <laughs> go for it. You know, like you want to start screaming at the, at, at the, at the camera and like pretending you're Jim Cramer and smashing, go for it. Like they don't care. So, because they trust that I have good enough judgment um, that what I'm going to be doing is both informative and highly entertaining and having that trust for the very first time in my career, I can't even tell you, um, what that has meant to me, um, how liberating that has been, um, how much that just lifts my soul, uh, each and every time I go into work, I absolutely love, uh, the show that I'm working on, on direct TV, um, direct TV channel 704. Uh, fan, fantasy zone for those folks uh, that are curious, but it, it is, it's a great show. I love working on the show. If you ever, if you actually pony up and get the show and I get it, it costs a lot of money. Um, but if you pony up, get the show, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. It's a wonderful show. It is an absolutely wonderful show. Um, and, and myself and all my co-hosts, we, we all have a lot of fun with it. Yep. Show is awesome. It's good to get in your guys's takes in between all the football that's going yeah. on there too. And the yeah, creative yeah. freedom. I mean, we know that that doesn't come easy. So that's awesome to hear that they let you run with whatever you want to. Yeah. And I think people are, you know, I think people kind of sort of are surprised by like how much creative stuff that we do. Um, I've had people ask me like, who comes up with it? It's like, it's all right here, man. Like it's, it's all off the dome, you know? Um, Love it. Yeah, man. It, it's crazy, bro. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's wild. Like, and just being able to have that juice and have that, like, again, that creative control, that creative freedom, like, um, you know, like I'm in there and like, I'm directing shots. Like I'm directing camera shots. Like I'm directing like how it's going to look like I'm directing the graphics that are popping up. Like, you know, I have a great team. I'm not trying to sit here and tell you I do everything on my own. But it is very interesting to me, having shot and edited all my own stuff for so long and being so good at it, winning multiple Emmys, doing that style of journalism, bringing those skills uh, now to what I'm doing, um, and then having that then translate as well, having my team elevate all my products. Like, that's the first time in my career that that's ever happened. Having a team that I can, that first of all, management trusts me, and then I trust my team completely you know like that is is i can't even tell you if you ever work at anyone watching this if you ever work in that situation try to never leave because it is the best feeling in the world man when your bosses trust you and you trust your team oh baby like we are we're cooking with gas boy like it's all gas no breaks man and like that is how we come up with so many segments every single week, man, it's because they give you, they feed that creative license, man. And, 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 and it is such a, a wonderful place uh, to be working. That's freaking awesome. And I mean, you could just hear the passion coming out in your voice. So 
we all want to be able to work somewhere that not treats us like as we're in the owner, but you know, you walk in, you feel like you own the joint. And so that's awesome that they're giving you that much freedom and they trust you that much. And you guys put out a lot of good content. So um, that's awesome that you got a really dope team who's, uh, you know, done more gas on the fire. I like it. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I didn't think that Bob Ross of all pieces was going to be an award winning, you know, fantasy sports writers association, uh, award winning piece. Like I, never thought that um and it's crazy bro like when we were doing that like after i was after we were done with like the first you know first couple i'm like bro i'm like i, I talked to my producer who's like a, a friend of mine i'm like bro is that even good like i don't even know like i'm like is this good is this shit good like we're looking at i'm like looking at i'm like bro i i honestly i don't even like i might have i might have swung and missed with that one i don't even know i have no idea um, I, I'm like, I don't know if it's funny. Like, I think there are some funny elements, but I don't know if it's funny, but it might be funny. But I, I mean, I guess it did well, man. Like, you know, people, re it resonates with people, man. And like, and obviously, um, I had been not, I, I had been nominated, uh, three years in a row, uh, for, for, for an FSWA award. And, and that was the piece that took me over the top. It's just, it's crazy how that works, bro. Like it's just, it's just crazy. Stuff that you think is money sometimes not so much. And then, yeah, you put something yeah. out that you were questioning it and freaking yeah. won an award for it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Let's transition over. I, I'm curious about the whole Madden experience and uh, how all that played out. <laughs> I was born in the eighties, grew up in the nineties, video games are life. And Madden was for a few years for sure. Yeah. I mean, um, like I love Madden, you know, like obviously the game has evolved to the point where I'm not good at Madden anymore. <laughs> um, but you know, look, I, I'm, you know, I'm a dad of two and everything. Like I, it's like, I don't even, I barely got time, you know? Um, but yeah, like Madden has gotten to the point where there is such a skill gap. Like these guys who are pro Madden players, they would, absolutely murder you on the sticks bro like you wouldn't get a first down like that's how bad forget points if you if any normal player who thinks oh i'm good in my home game like oh i beat up on my boys you wouldn't get a first down dog like that's how bad it would be like we're talking pick sixes fumbles all over the place like forget it like you know what i mean um they would run the score out. it'd be like 250 to zero and you wouldn't get you would get nothing you know like that's how bad it would be. Like that's how much the skill gap uh, comes into play. That's why it's funny when I see some of these comments on these streams. Like, oh, this dude, he like I would I would whoop on this dude. No, you wouldn't, bro. No, you wouldn't, dog. Like, did 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 you ever see this this Instagram post, man? Of like, who was it? Um, uh, who who's the uh, Red Mamba? Uh, uh, the white boy from uh, uh, the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. Um, he was he's like old. He's old, retired, hasn't played a competitive lick of basketball in years, dog. And some dude in high school challenged him to a pickup game. And like this dude's athletic, like at, like plays in the high school basketball team. Um, and, and he got absolutely smashed by this dude. And that's what it's like. Like you think you're good on the sticks. Like, no, like dog, go play one of these like pro guys. They will absolutely smash you into smithereens. Um, but if you're asking like how I got into it, man, it's just like, I've, I've loved the game and, and 
from my point of view, um, from my point of view, like I uh, saw a gap and I, I don't want to like detract from any, what anyone is doing there because I, I think they have a wonderful product. Um, but at the time I saw a gap in how the sport was being covered. Um, you either had one of two people, you had gamers, um, that were not pro sports broadcasters. And then you had pro sports broadcasters who knew absolutely nothing about the game. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy that did both, you know, that I play, I've been playing the game since, you know, you know, 1999. Right. Um, I haven't bought every iteration, but you know, I've, I've played many, many hours of Madden. Um, at one point in my life, I was pretty good before you could do all this extra <laughs> crazy stuff, you know? Um, and, and then, uh, and then obviously I, I think humbly speaking, I think I'm a hell of a sports broadcaster too. So now I wanted to bridge that gap and that job, um, you know, and full disclosure, I'm not with them anymore, you know, but, um, but that job, when I had it, you know, for the two, for the two seasons that I was able to, to, to broadcast with them, it took me, I don't know, two years to get that job. It's, it wasn't like one of these, like I send an email out and boom, okay, bring you in. It's, it wasn't like a, Oh, let me just text my guy real quick. And like, let me just like, no, it, it took two years uh, for that job to materialize. Like I had to network, I had to move up. Like I had to talk to all these different, I, I probably talked to 10 people at EA before someone finally was like, Hey, why don't we give this James Co guy a chance and see what happens? You know? Um, so it's just kind of like a life lesson a little bit, you know, it's like, look, clearly I'm, I'm freaking qualified. <laughs> I'm qualified to talk about your damn game, you know, <laughs> like clearly it's not a qualifications thing, you know? Um, so clearly I'm qualified. It just was for me. It's just, I just didn't get the opportunity. So finally somebody was like, Hey, let me get, let, let me get this guy an opportunity. And, and when I did, then I was able to kind of sort of, uh, run with it. But I think kind of, there's two let like two really important lessons in that one. You have to identify a role for yourself. The worst thing you can do, and I, I cannot stand this at all, Pe but people always reach out to me and it's like, hey, um, I want to work at, when I was at NFL Network, hey, I want to work at NFL Network. Um, I think, uh, I think, uh, like, you know, I think I could work there. I'm like, okay, D doing what? Like, <laughs> what are we talking? You know, like what are we talking fantasy football? What are we talking draft? What, it's like I don't even like what are we even talking about? Like, you want to be on air? You want to be a researcher? You want to write? Like, I don't like Doug. Like, don't message people saying like I want to work at NFL Network. Like, that is such a like that is such a noob move. Like, don't ever do that. Like, you have to identify an area that you can step in and be a contributor. Like. I think I like, I, this is how I've done every job. It's like, I love what you guys are doing there, but I think you need like when it for Fox 11, I think you guys need a, a guy who knows MMA Fox has a partnership with UFC. You have no one covering the UFC. It's a great partnership. It's a good relationship. 
I'm that guy. Like I know everything about MMA. I'm a really good journalist. I'm a good reporter. I think I would fill that need, right? NFL Network. I go in there. I'm like, hey, I think you need a host that really loves and understands fantasy football because right now you've got um, you, you're kind of rotating people in, and some people know about fantasy football. Other people don't know about fantasy football, and it's obvious. You know, maybe it's not obvious to you, but it's obvious to someone like me who has played fantasy sports since, you know, 1998, right? It's very obvious. Uh, And I'm a hell of a journalist. I'm a hell of a broadcaster. And I love fantasy football and I understand fantasy football. I'm in multiple fantasy football leagues. I would be a great asset to your company, right? So like, that's how you should approach this. Like that, and that's how I approach it with Madden, which is just basically like, hey, listen, like, again, like I can fill a gap for you. I think you have this gap in coverage. I can help fill that gap. So, um, and, and ultimately, I think that's that that approach has been what worked for me. Awesome. Yeah. And know what you're good at and go for it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even know how to respond if someone like said that to me, like, Oh, I want to work at the NFL network. Like cool. A bunch of people do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it is, man. It's like, bro, like, Hey, like figure out like a very specific role that you want to do and go after that role. I don't know. Oh, yeah. All right. Got to get into some wrestling talk before we let you go. Where'd the love of wrestling come from? When did it start? Uh, I have loved wrestling since I, as long as I can remember, man. Like I watched in the eighties. I remember watching Hulk Hogan and I, I, I was always, when I was younger, um, I never had access to um, WCW. So I never really knew about it. And I think it was called something else before WCW. What was it called? Like the N, I don't know, whatever, who cares? NWA, uh, I, I, I think. NW NWA. Is yeah. That what it was? The, I, I believe so. And the, I, who, who knows? Anyway, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm an eighties kid. Right. Uh, but I started watching wrestling in like, you know, like the late eighties, early nineties, uh, watching WWF superstars. Cause it was on, um, it was on, you know, over the air, um, networks. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Like who, who remembers back in the day, man? Like I think it was on NBC, right? Like it was, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, wrestling superstars or something. And it was like, yeah. it was like at night, you know? And it was like, Oh, it's like <laughs> Mr. Perfect's going to fight Hulk Hogan or whatever. It's like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh, this is wonderful. Um, but yeah, man, like, uh, but yeah, I, I grew up watching it back then. And then, um, and then once my family got cable, which was like, not until like the mid, like, uh, like mid nineties, um, then you could start watching, you know, like, you know, uh, Monday night raw. And like, obviously like, uh, when the whole Monday night wars thing happened between like, you know, NWO and, uh, WCW and, and the WWE, it was just like, Oh, it was on man. It was on yeah. and popping. Like <laughs> if you were a wrestling fan back then, like who doesn't remember like flipping channels back and forth, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's like, Oh shit. Like we gotta we change it back, change it back. You know, like, you're always just constantly like trying to figure out which program you want to watch, man. But like, and you're just trying to get as much of it as possible. And then, and, and, and I, what I loved about those Monday night wars too, was like, like at like the, when, when I think USA came on one, one minute earlier, and then it was like <laughs> TNT would come on two minutes earlier. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they yeah. just keep stealing minutes. <laughs> you know, you, you weren't even sure when to turn on your TV at the, at some point you're like, Oh my God, it's like half hour before showtime. I, I better just turn on TV. 
<laughs> who knows what's going to happen? You know, like Sting might come out of the rafters 30 minutes before the show. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what the hell's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, like once, once it was like, uh, those Monday night wars were kind of ramping up, man. Like I was, I was all in, I was all in on that. And like, you know, to be fair too, it's like, it caught me at like the right time. Right. Because like the Monday night wars were happening when I was in high school and college, you know, like I'll be honest with you. Like I don't watch wrestling now, but, and I would also think like if the Monday night wars were happening and I'm a, a father of two, I probably wouldn't have watched it still, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, like, you know, stone cold and, and the rock and NWO, like they captured my imagination for sure. So was that your favorite era of wrestling during like the attitude era? Or would you say isn't like that, in the eighties? Isn't that everyone's favorite era? <laughs> like who, like who, <laughs> Who is going to tout the 80s over the Attitude Era? Like, you're high, bro. Like, stop. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I love Hogan. Like, I'm wearing a Ric Flair shirt. Like, it's it's all good. Like, I love 80s wrestling, you know? But, like, who the hell's going to tout the 80s wrestling over over the Attitude Era? Like, stop it. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, that, that, that don't make no sense at all. Um, yeah, the Attitude Era was where it's at, man. And, um, and yeah, is, I, there's just... There's so many iconic moments, you know, you mentioned it before, like hell in the cell for the first time, like watching mankind be an absolute animal out there. Um, you know, the undertaker, that tombstone bell hits and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. The glass shatters. Here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. The pop on these guys on just one sound. Think about that. That's how you hear that glass shatter. And 50,000 people freaking ripping their shirts off, standing up and going buck wild, bro. Like one sound, like you hear that tombstone bell, one sound, everyone goes nuts. Exactly. Everyone <laughs> goes nuts, bro. Um, it's like, and that, that's all that, like, that's the power of it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that is, that is powerful stuff, bro. Like that's, that's incredible. The pop that would come from just one sound. Um, and again, I don't watch wrestling, um, all that much nowadays. I've watched a little AEW here and there, but I don't know. I don't think these guys get that kind of pop off of one sound, you know, no. nowadays. So that, that, I don't know, man, like that, it was just a different world back then. Um, and, and a completely different era, man. But yeah, attitude era was where it's at because, I mean, we're also only we're we're like sliding the other side of it because let's be real, the NWO was way bigger than the WWF at the time. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like when Hogan made that switch. By the way, like if Hogan's not in your top four, like there's something wrong with you because not only was he like the the standard bearer, the flag bearer for the '80s wrestling, right? Then when you went into the attitude era and guys like Bret Hart were getting shoved aside, like Hogan was still there and he was still the man and he was still the top dog. Like how powerful is that? That's crazy, bro. Like the NWO would have been nothing without Hogan flipping sides. You know, that heel turn was just like, I mean, everyone's mind was blown. <laughs> that is undoubtedly not uh, it, it's a top two moment in in pro wrestling history and it's not number two 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's all those, uh, it's all the people that grew up with him, you know, being, being the idol, being the good guy. And then for, like we you literally go back and watch that people are throwing batteries and throwing sodas and beers and they hated it's him. Crazy. <laughs> it is crazy how pe- how much people were stunned and then like hated it. They hated they they hated it. And then they like and then people started loving the NWO. Like <laughs> like I owned an NWO shirt, man. Like that's crazy to me, dog. Like the whole wolf pack thing, man. Like that's that's crazy, dog. Like think about that. Like Hogan, you love Hogan. Okay, okay, cool. Then he then he then then he, he does a heel turn. Now you hate Hogan. All right, cool. But then wait, hold up now. Now you love the NWO. It's like, wait, what happened here? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, damn, that that's that's crazy it, when you think about it like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, who else can do that? No one. Like, only Hogan, bro. Like, that's it. And it's crazy how they didn't even have to wrestle that much back then. It was like they wrestled no. on pay-per-views. It was mostly just segments. <laughs> they, did, they did almost no. They came in with baseball bats and just beat up people and spray-painted people. That's it. <laughs> that's That's all they did. And you got one Hogan leg drop. You know, like per show, that's it. That's all you would get. You get a big boot maybe once in a while. <laughs> like there was, there was very little wrestling, dude. That That's what's so crazy. Yeah, you talk about creative freedom like that. That must have been awesome for all them back then. Literally got to do whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. <laughs> I mean, and going back to the WWE, um, you talk about, you know, the lack of wrestling. Like, dude, like guys like HBK and and Austin, these guys were hurt a lot and they were still top of the mountain and they weren't wrestling. They were just cutting promos. Like I remember how many times did you see HBK in a goddamn wheelchair cutting a promo? (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Austin with like, you know, he's got 14 different knee braces on. Like the guy couldn't, the guy couldn't barely walk just cutting promos still being scary as hell. You know, like that's amazing. Um, and, and yeah, so it, it really, you know, speaks to, to the level of personality that these guys have. Yeah. So you mentioned Hogan being in your top four. I'm put you on the spot with the Mount Rushmore wrestling. Uh, who's your top four? Oh, this is, it's actually easy for me. Um, and, and this is, I don't want to hear anything. This is indisputable. <laughs> the top four, like, I don't care what anyone says. This is the definitive list of the top four it's hogan it's stone cold steve austin it's the rock and it is this man rick flair because and and i think three of those guys you you understand you know like first of all no one um first of all how is the rock not on anyone's you know mount rushmore right because think about the success he had in the ring and then translating that into success outside of the ring that's by the way that's how popular he was in the ring. He was so popular in the ring, he was able to turn that into a legit movie career where he is now the highest paid actor in Hollywood. That's crazy, dog. Yeah. So he needs to be on the Mount Rushmore, 100%. Hogan obviously needs to be on the Mount Rushmore for all the things that I had mentioned. But Stone Cold Steve Austin, in my opinion, I think he saved pro wrestling. Um, I think pro wrestling and specifically the WWE, uh, there's a lot of stories about this, how they were not doing that well. Um, and they, you know, Brett, the Hitman Hart wasn't really like, he was a good, he was a great wrestler, a star, but he wasn't transcendent. Let's be, let's be honest. He wasn't yeah. transcendent. 
Um, and they needed somebody to be a transcendent star in a time when Hogan went to, uh, you know, uh, to the other promotion and they were, and all of their stars that they had were aging, macho man, aging, ultimate warrior, gone, like Jake, the snake gone, like all these dudes, um, you know, diesel, um, razor Ramon, like they go to the other side, like WWE was in trouble. They were going to be, they were going bankrupt. And the guy who saved that company was stone cold Steve Austin. And you cannot talk about the attitude era. He single handedly launched the attitude era. You know what I'm saying? Now oh, you yeah. can say, Oh, well, what about HBK and DX and, and all that? I understand. Austin 316 says <laughs> that's, that's right. That is exactly right. Now, I and now and I get it. Some people might say, Oh, you got to put HBK in there. You you got to put Shawn Michaels in there. And I understand that. But listen, listen to me now. HBK was so hurt, he could never wrestle. Like he was he was just not an active guy. And I get it. Like the the promos he cut with DX and all that, they were great. But you needed somebody to carry those pay-per-views. You needed somebody to be in those matches. And who was that going to be? That was going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know what I'm saying? So so for me, Stone Cold certainly deserves place on that list. Um, and, and also, I think it also speaks to how well some of these guys have done years and years and years and years later. You know what I'm saying? Like Stone Cold is still the man. You know what I mean? HBK, great wrestler, Hall of Famer, top 10, no question. But, uh, you know, I don't think he necessarily commands that, that pop even today. Um, uh, but I will say this, Ric Flair, the reason I put him in my, in my, in my top four, obviously his longevity of his career, but just his ability, man, like the dude could wrestle for 60 straight minutes. He knew every <laughs> technique. He, he could roll with anybody, like anybody and everyone, uh, he could wrestle, you know, what I'm it didn't matter how bad you were. He would make you look good. Like that's incredible to me. He was the perfect heel. When I think about when I think about heels in wrestling, how do you not think about Ric Flair? He was the perfect heel. Um, and again, Rumboy's chiming in with the woo. Hey, listen, it, that's an icon. That's iconic. That's iconic, dog. Like who doesn't know about woo? Like everyone <laughs> knows about the woo. You know what I mean? Even today, th this man hasn't wrestled. In years, everyone still knows about the woo. Everyone, everyone. So, um, so yeah. When we're talking about icons in this sport, man, like this man was the greatest heel of all time, and uh, and you can't have pro wrestling without heels. And this this man was the best heel of all time, uh, and and it was so iconic in so many different ways. So, uh, and and also by the way, like who didn't practice a figure four leg lock? on their siblings growing up. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, everyone did it. You know, you couldn't practice stunners. You couldn't practice <laughs> rock bottoms, although you did. I mean, every, you know, you did, but I'm just saying everyone could practice a figure four leg lock though. You know? Heck yeah. Ric Flair's the man. And you go and you even see some of the, uh, the NFL teams, you know, who was it? The Colts who like, I, I think it was after one of their, it was either after or before one of their games when they did the, you know, his whole promo and, yep. you know, give me two claps and a Ric Flair. Woo. Woo. You know, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about, man. So yeah, he's on my Mount Rushmore. That's the definitive list. That's your top four. I don't care what anybody says.
Hey, I mean, that's one thing that's cool about uh, Mount Rushmore as a wrestling. As long as you have a good reason, nobody's wrong. And Stone Cold, <laughs> even though his reign was short-lived because of all the injuries, like, nobody touched his peak. Like, he'll, even you said now people aren't getting the pops, but, like, when Stone Cold would come back for those Raws or, you know, the WrestleManias, like, you heard those pops that we heard in the 90s. And listen, there's no, there is no rock without Stone Cold. Yeah. Right? Like their feuds were epic, legendary, first for the IC belt back in the day, and then later on uh, for the heavyweight crown. You know what I'm saying? And like like the rock turning into corporate rock and and doing that whole bit, you know, like all that. Like there is no corporation without Stone Cold. There is no rock without Stone Cold. There's no we don't get this, you know, thirty million dollar movie guy in Dwayne Johnson without Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's for sure. That's facts right there. They needed to play off each other, and that was epic. Yep, exactly. All right, last thing before I let you go. Let's talk about reception perception. Oh, yes, please. I'm excited for you. I mean, this all just – I mean, I'm sure this was a long time coming or conversations, but um, it's awesome to see you teaming up with uh, Matt Harmon. Yeah, man, we've had hours of conversation, and a lot of it was me selling him uh, because the bottom line is this. He is a brilliant, he's a, he's an absolutely brilliant fantasy football mind. Um, and for me, uh, I'm, I'm the guy that, um, I just believe in his product. So when I found out when we were having conversations and I found out that he was venturing off on his own, I was like, wow, that, that is a, um, first of all, you're going to be hugely successful. Um, I believe in you. I believe in the product. Like no matter what it's going to, it's going to work now. How do I, James Coe, help elevate that? Um, so, uh, so let me just make that 100% clear. Like it is 100% Matt Harmon's baby. Um, it's it's his company. Um, but man, uh, I am I'm really excited about trying to help his business grow. Like I really want to elevate his product. And for me, I think the the um, I think the business acumen uh, that I bring to the table will help elevate his brand, elevate his product, elevate his website. Um, and that's kind of, um, you know, the business relationship, uh, that I was selling him on. Um, so, so yeah, man, he's the CEO, he's the creative director. He's all of that. Okay. But, uh, but my whole thing is just, Hey, let me help you do what you do best. And that is create. Um, and we talk about these teams, you know, and like, for me, I'm just like, let me be part of your team. Um, let me be part of your team, uh, to help you elevate, uh, your product to the next level. Uh, so that's really what I want to do. Like, you know, and look, I, the, the lazy man's comparison is like, I want to be, you know, Mark Cuban shark tank to Matt Harmon's, you know, uh, reception perception. I'm not, I'm not Mark Cuban. I'm just saying that's kind of what I want to do. You know, like he's got a great product and he himself is great. Um, uh, he is the product quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and I want to be able to do everything I can to help him um, just do more of that, you know. And and for anyone um, who has started their own business, uh, you understand, like, you get bogged down in the business side of it very quickly, you know, um, whether it's setting up a bank account, setting up, you know, finding the right people to do, you know, to do graphics and, you know, just doing taxes, like all this shit, like, you know, like, you know, uh, figuring out the best, um, you know, best business practices, uh, figuring out, you know, Google AdWords, like how to like marketing, like 
all this stuff that has nothing to do with the product that is reception perception, right? Um, that's what I want to help him do. And so that's our partnership. Um, but if you have never seen reception, enough about me, if you haven't seen reception perception, you have to understand, understand it is the best tool on the market in regards to analyzing wide receivers, period. I don't want to hear nothing else from nobody. You can come at me with PFF. You can come at me with next. No, there is no better tool at figuring out who is an actually a good wide receiver, both in fantasy and in real life than reception perception. Um, there's a lot of scouts who have said the exact same thing. Um, but if I promise you, if you go check out the site, receptionperception.com and just dig around, it's free for right now. It's free right now. Um, and just dig around the site. Uh, you will see um, and read the testimonials, read the articles, do all that stuff. I, I promise you, you will not be disappointed because we will give you an absolute home run edge when it comes to evaluating wide receivers. Um, and we're also going to have a really good time doing it as well. There's going to be a whole, you know, a whole brand of like, you know, content that comes out. We got a podcast coming out. We got a YouTube show coming out. Um, so all that stuff, man, it's all going to be hitting the table pretty soon. Um, and I'm really looking forward and really excited um, by working alongside uh, a good friend of mine in Matt Harmon and kind of getting his business venture off the ground. That's awesome. I'm a huge advocate of the reception perception. It's something I've been, you know, using for a while. So he was in the uh, the fantasy footballers like mm -hmm. draft kit and all that. So is that not happening anymore? Is it just nope. it's okay. the exclusive home? You will not find reception perception data anywhere except on receptionperception.com. The exclusive and the only home you will ever find this data. Nice. So this is Matt Harmon betting on himself, right? Is that a uh... Yeah. Well, we're both betting on him. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, we're both betting on him, man. So like I invested in him and his business and, and I'm, and it's just all rocket ships, baby. All gas. Let's go. I like it. I'm excited to hear more as, uh, as things progress, but I'm a huge advocate. So whatever it is, I'm sure I'll, I'll be, I'll be buying into it. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah, man. If you guys, you know, want to check out the site um, and, and ultimately when the site does go up and fully live and, and, you know, there's going to be a paywall and, and subscription levels and all those things. Uh, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Awesome. Well, cool. Glad to hear about it. I I'm glad you guys um, partnered up and yeah, I'd like to see uh, everybody making moves in the fantasy football space. So I I'm, I'm excited. It's uh, good goals to live up to. Awesome. Can I give, can I give one more shameless plug? Of course. Um, so I am, I'm ramping up YouTube this, this season. Um, and I'm going to be putting a lot more content on YouTube and I just need to get my followers up, bro. Like, um, and it, and if you're watching this man, like I would really, truly, honestly appreciate any YouTube follows just search for James D co spelled K O H on YouTube. You'll find my channel and I, and we're going to have live shows on there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's going to be some, some fire things that are be coming out, um, relatively soon, uh, that you'll be seeing, uh, some announcements going to be coming down the pipe here in the next couple of days. Um, but I'm just trying to build up my YouTube channel, bro. And, uh, and if, and if anybody's watching and, and would like to help me kind of do that, I would truly appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be off and running. Awesome. Well, I just subscribed right now. Hey, uh, 
Got got to get you up to a thousand. That was my whole goal last year, and uh, yes, I sir. made it there. There we go. Oh, and uh, so I'm gonna shamelessly plug myself. If you need any help with the YouTube mm-hmm. channel, I do all the editing. I do all the audio stuff. Like literally Perfect. everything. I'm a one man band. So if you need anyone else on your oh. team, I would be more than happy to uh, put some gas on the fire. Let's go. I like <laughs> it, man. And there we go. Robbie Rumboy is just uh, subscribed too. There we go. Let's get Let's James go, to one K right away. Let's do it. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Well, I I can't appreciate you enough. Like spending your time. Re- really appreciate all the insight. Um, I'm glad that we didn't even have to talk about football. We got to just talk about you know your past, <laughs> your come up, and uh, oh, I was more good. excited about hearing about you and talking about wrestling honestly than getting your football takes. I can get those everywhere on the internet. I know. Isn't that crazy too? Like I just realized, like I got way more excited to talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and like the NWO than I did about like talking about like Kenny Galladay with the Giants or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's so funny, bro. Yeah. So I like doing things like this, um, you know, taking uh, taking our mind off of football a little bit. Antonio yeah, yeah. subscribed. Wink and Willie Thank subscribed. You, bro. There we Thank go. Thank you. Appreciate you guys, honestly. Let's get James some more subscribers. Get him to 1K right away. I like it. <laughs> That'd be sick, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Well, um, I mean, other than YouTube, anywhere else that people should be following you? I'm, everywhere else on social media? I'm sure everyone here follows you already. Uh, no, man. I'm, I'm like the Honda Accord of fantasy analyst, bro. Like, you've maybe <laughs> seen my name, but you're not 100% sure. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, no, I'm mean, like, yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, that'd be cool too. But I think, I think I just really honestly trying to, um, build up that YouTube base and, uh, and yeah, man, like I got some projects down the pipe, bro. Like I'm, I'm in such a blessed position, dude. And I just feel, I just feel so good about where I'm at and where I'm heading. Awesome. Appreciate you spending some time. Everybody who's still watching right now, appreciate you hanging out with us for an hour, uh, podcast hey. people. If you're still listening to this, go subscribe on YouTube so you can watch all these live when they go down. All righty. So we will be signing off. Uh, We got a couple more shows coming up this week. So if you're not already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you get subscribed. Fantasy Football Hustler. And one more time, go subscribe to James D. Coe on YouTube. Let's get him up to 1K right away. Let's get it. (laughs) All righty, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow and uh, we'll see you in Discord. Peace out, everybody.